Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Why is ear cytology important? You all know I love to say cytology everything, but why in particular is ear cytology important? I did a webinar recently all about ear cytology and a few people afterwards sent messages saying, but why is it really that important when we can just put them on combination products? So I wanted to do a podcast episode specifically about ear cytology. Remember just in general, ear cytology or cytology as an overall helps with our decision making, right? We want to have the best medicine out there and cytology for dermatology really is the best medicine. So it's going to help with our empirical selection of therapy. Yes, a lot of these products that are commercially available have a steroid, have an antibiotic, have an antifungal. But what do you do if you have a non-responsive infection? You know, how do you know that it was cocci last time and still cocci this time if you didn't check it last time, but you're only checking it now because they didn't respond? How do you know that it wasn't rods last time and now I've turned into cocci? I have that happen all the time where an infection switches. The we'll treat an infection, it's all cocci. They'll come back, say they're still shaking their head. We'll reevaluate, thinking, oh, we're just gonna see cocci that didn't respond, and now it's a bunch of yeast. Well, then, even though all these products are commercially have combination ingredients in them, I'm gonna make my next selection of a topical product based specifically on the anti-yeast ingredient right? Can you see why that would be a bit different? Or if it is a difficult case and I'm going to have to reach for systemic medications, I need to know, is this something that hasn't responded? Has it changed? How are we going to deal with this? Um, Diagnostic information with cytology, right? Is there a lot of inflammation that's present? Um, You know, there's weird things you can find under the microscope. Like people, I've seen Demodex under the microscope. I've seen, you know, acanthalytic keratinocytes under the microscope, Um, lots of eosinophils, and then we'll find something like, you know, you know, parasites in that ear. So that is really important. And then like, as we kind of talked about case progression, so is the pet rechecking, they're doing better, but there's still some microscopic organisms under the microscope, microscopic under the microscope, a little redundant there, but if there are organisms underneath the microscope that we can look at and say, okay, you're doing much better, but we need to extend out this treatment a bit longer compared to if they stop too early. So that's going to be really important. And also what's really important about these cases is that if there are two ear canals there, that we get a sample from both ears, even if the owner says only one ear is bothering that pet, because you'll be surprised how often the the other ear has some infection there. And even if we're not going to treat it with an eardrop, maybe we're going to know that we need to flush that ear, or maybe there's a completely different infection that's happening in that ear canal. Same why I mentioned always sampling the pinna. If it has abnormalities to it, you'd be surprised how many times the pinna can be infected and it can be different than what's in the ear canal. And we may still be able to use a topical wipe or a topical ear medication on a cotton swab to address that, 
but we are still going to make sure that we know exactly what infection is there because again, that is best medicine. And we want to make sure that we're truly utilizing that and evaluating that to make our decisions. Um, so that's why I think it's really important. The other thing I think is often overlooked is selection of ear flushes. I'm going to select an ear flush on based on numerous different things. When I look at that pet one, you know, is there biofilm present? So we know there are certain, actually certain organisms. We always think of gram negative rods, but yeast and and, um, cocci can do it as well. That can cause a biofilm, a biofilm. And I think we'll do a separate podcast about this. A biofilm is essentially a slime layer that these organisms form as a way to protect themselves. So that if they create this slime layer, it's going to be more difficult for our therapy to penetrate that. So this is seen in, you know, surgical wounds, implants, things like that, where it's a protective mechanism of that bacteria. We know there are certain products like Tris EDTA and N-acetylcysteine, which help to break down that biofilm. And by breaking down that biofilm, by utilizing a flush, if we see like what looks like a biofilm, then that's going to allow our topical therapy to penetrate the epithelium and those actual bacteria better. So when I'm looking, is there biofilm or not? But a big part of what flush I select is what type of infection is there. You know, if there are a lot of rods, then again, I want something with Tris EDTA or N-acetylcysteine or, you know, potentially both like the Trisnax solution. There's a lot of products that have Tris EDTA on its own present. We're using those not only for anti-biofilm properties, but to help put little holes in the rod-shaped organism so our topical therapy penetrates that better. That's different than if I have a really, you know, pritic ear with lots of debris in it and I just see yeast present. Then I'm going to pick something that, you know, maybe changes the pH of the ear. So, for example, boric acid or acetic acid, um, or there's products that have ketoconazole in them. If I see a ton of inflammatory cells and that pet's really uncomfortable, I may select my commercial product with something that has a more potent steroid or an ear flush that has, there's not a ton of potent steroids in ear flushes, but there are some that have hydrocortisone, or I know some people like to spike their ear flushes. I don't particularly usually spike my ear flushes, but certainly there are other um, very successful dermatologists and veterinarians who do and find it helpful. But you may be more likely to want to pay attention to the type of steroid if you know there's tons of neutrophils under the microscope. You know, if I have cocci, am I going to pick a flush that maybe has some chlorhexidine in it? So these are the things that really can impact what type of ear flushing we're picking and then what type of medication we're picking. And what I think, again, is really, really important is knowing how, how that case is progressing. So, you know, we cannot just look at a ear full of pus and think, oh, it's pseudomonas for sure. Or, oh, it's rods for sure. I've been so fooled before. You know, there are still cocci that can create a lot of purulent debris and you better believe it's going to change what type of medication I'm going to pick if I know it's a cocci versus a rod. Um, And then again, I've had some yeast organisms where we think of it being that dry, flaky, brown debris that's in the ear that leads to a yeast infection. I've had some ears that are really itchy. I look under the microscope. There's actually not really infection. It's just inflammatory cells or it's just kind of waxy debris and that pest is really itchy from that overproduction of earwax that happens. So then we might not put them on an eardrop at all. We may just put them on a good 
seruminolytic ear flush and then maybe some something like synodic, just a steroid topically if they're really pruritic to that ear. But I don't want to keep exposing that pet to antibiotics and combination products if there's actually not that much infection under the microscope. You know, I'm going to pick certain antibiotics if I know it's a cocci versus a rods or what do we do if it's just kind of everything. And sometimes those really bad ears, we'll see them for initial exam, they'll have rods, cocci, yeast. You know, we'll treat them what we feel like is appropriate therapy. And then when they recheck, maybe, you know, the rods and the yeast have responded well with the coccyx being stubborn. So these are all things that are really important to know. And I also just think about myself. Like if I was going in, you know, to my doctor or when my children go into the doctor, you know, if there is a way for us to really know what's going on, especially in this world where we're being thoughtful of Judicious use of antimicrobials, not overutilizing things like antibiotics, topically or systemically, you know, getting involved and figuring out the underlying cause, educating, you know, owners or parents or ourselves on what we need to do for maintenance for these cases. You know, if myself or my kids went in and I knew there was a way they can evaluate what's really going on, you know, before they just threw them on antibiotics, which honestly sometimes happens in even the human field too. But if I knew there were alternatives that we could really consider in these cases or know what's going on, so my kids were treated appropriately, I would definitely expect that. Um, so that's what I kind of view and how I explain cytology to owners is we want to know actually what we're treating. I mean, we are advanced enough in medicine that we can know what's going on within five minutes of seeing that pet, right? Get an ear swab, look at it under the microscope. Now, if it comes down to time, because I do understand that in the general practice, that time is more limited compared to what we may be seeing in a specialty practice. You know, if someone's coming in for ear cytology, you know, you certainly could have technicians that when they room the pet, they're coming in for shaking the head or an ear infection, you know, give an estimate due to cytology, have the staff trained to explain why that's important, collect the cytology, go and stain it, and maybe even be able to look at it before you go into the room, go into the room, say, oh, we're finding this you know, amount of infection, this type of infection, and then follow up. Obviously, we want to look in the ear. So still doing a physical exam on the dog, doing otoscopy, but then being able to explain to owners why we need to utilize certain medications or what's going on. Um, You know, there are certain technicians and assistants who love cytology and can even be trained to read it for you. You know, collect the samples while you're talking to the owner if you want to do it in that order um, instead. And then have the technician read it. So as soon as you go back, you know exactly what it is and prescribe a medication. We also know that there are lots of digital AI cytology platforms that are available. You know, there's lots of them like the images by Zoetis where you can actually um, have a technician or yourself click the sample, but then pop it into the machine after staining it. And it tells you what infection is there. You know, it quantifies it into one value, but it is a time efficient way in a busy practice that you can get those results while you're doing other things. So there are different ways we can affect our workflow so we can make it time efficient, practice best medicine, even in a small amount of time you have in a really busy general practice. So as you obviously all know, I'm very passionate about by about cytology, but I also, besides just loving cytology as a dermatologist, just really, truly believe that we should be practicing, you know, best medicine. And I completely understand there's going to be situations with cost concerns or certain things where maybe that can't be done. But I just don't think because products are combination products that that's a reason we say, well, it doesn't matter. We're just going to, you know, 
start this product anyway, because it does matter. These ingredients are different. They have different potencies. We need to know what is there when we follow up, what was there, you know, a couple weeks ago, has it changed? Is the quantity different? Are the organisms different so that we can make these adjustments? We do know we're seeing her, you know, terrible methicillin resistant staph or, uh, otitis, terrible pseudomonas otitis. And we want to know what has been present there, what has been tracking. So we can make sure not only for the short term, ear infection that's happening now, but also in the chronic maintenance of some of these really difficult long-term cases, what adjustments we need to make when, what has been successful, what has traditionally happened, um, you know, does it happen during certain seasons, all these things that we can dive into. So that is why as dermatologists and, you know, veterinarians who love dermatology, we're so passionate about ear cytology. Hopefully this makes you understand and have that passion too, that we should be practicing knowing what's going on. We're so privileged to really be able to do cytology, you know, so quickly train our staff to do it or use things like AI dermatology and digital cytology to make it more time efficient in your clinic. If that's something that would be beneficial.